0: This episode I'm joined by Christoph Navaratek, who is a lecturer in humanities and architecture at the University of Sheffield. In this episode we discuss his book Total Urban Mobilization, Ernst Jünger and the Post-Capitalist City, alongside discussions on community, ethics, Marxism, progress, the forest rebel, and more. I'd like to thank all my paid subscribers and patrons for making all of this work possible, and if you would like to support Hermetics or become part of the community, please find links in the description below. Enjoy. So, Christoph uh, Navaratik, thanks very much for joining us on Hemitic's podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: We are going to be discussing your book, Total Urban Mobilization, Ernst Jünger and the Post-Capitalist City, which was published in 2018. And as far as my research, I mean, I'm a big fan. It's a silly word, but a big fan of Ernst Jünger. And as far as my research, as far as I can tell... There is Vincent Bloch's book on Ernst Junger's technology. Yeah. There is Elliot Neiman's biography. And yeah. outside of that, maybe I'm missing one or two, but there is not much else in, in English on Ernst Junger in any fashion. Not even as a not even as a world in World War One, as a war studies. Um, there isn't anything on like his politics. Um, so this is like a, a very rare book
1: you know it's it's interesting because um i know Junger for well about 20 years of his work of course and uh, um i read uh, the albaiter uh, so you know the the book that i'm referring to in, in my book uh in polish uh, so it was published in Polish uh, years before it was translated uh, and published in English. I think in English it was exactly the year that my book was published. So it's 2018 or 2017, something like that. Uh, so when I was writing, then uh, I was changing quotes from me translating from Polish into English to uh, translation from from the English book. So um in 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 Poland but I think that also in kind of m- m- continental europe younger uh, is, uh, is is better known and uh, in 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 Poland there's a, there's a group of culture scholars and translators that they have been working around Jünger, but also about um, conservative revolution, this German movement uh, before Second World War. So those are quite a lot of materials uh, there. Yeah. But um, yeah, you are right. That <laughs> in, in English, he's not uh, uh, extremely well known. No,
0: no. Um, so yeah, before we jump in with the book, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do as well.
1: Um, so I'm Polish immigrant working and, and living in the UK at that moment. Uh I'm senior lecturer in architecture and uh, humanities uh, at the University of Sheffield. So I, you know, in general in my kind of daily daily work uh, I teach uh, students how to design buildings. Um my research is much more theoretical. Uh of, for for last few years I'm more and more interested in uh, religion and space, and spiritual, spirituality and space. So at that moment, I'm working with my Brazilian colleagues on uh, spaces for Pentecostals in Brazil. Yeah, so this is who, who, what, what I'm doing.
0: Very nice, very nice. Um, and yeah, before we, we jump headlong into uh, the book itself and the sort of strange and quite diverse areas that it touches upon, um, I'm very interested in your, your answer. Sometimes I can sort of assume what the answer would be, but as you've written a book on Junga, you're interested in uh, Brazilian Pentecostal architecture at the moment, and you're an architecture uh, lecturer, I'm intrigued to see who you would place in your room. So you can place three thinkers, living or dead, into a room and listen in on the conversation. Who, who would you pick?
1: Before I answer this, I, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, kind of a weird uh, architecture scholar, so I think that I never publish any article in architecture academic journal. So everything what I'm what I'm doing is kind of uh, beyond the architecture itself. So also for for this this question, I was thinking about this, and there was a nobody who is architect. <laughs> um, but um, the three people, and I'm assuming that they can keep uh, Enzinger as a fourth person in the room. Sure. Um, yes. So then I would choose, I would absolutely love to have Mircea Eliade.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mircea Eliade uh, was uh, a Romanian religious studies scholar. Uh, when he was young, he was connected with uh, far right uh, Romanian movement, but also as a very young person, he spent four years in India on scholarship. And uh you know, as a partly anecdote, he was extremely anti-British, so he was supporting <laughs> uh, Indian independence, and he uh, he commented on on uh, British people he he met in India in a very very negative way. But he was after Second World War. Uh, he spent some time in uh, in France, but then he emigrated to to, to U- U.S. He was in a, in a Chicago University. And, He's one of the most important scholars in uh, in uh, religious studies fields. But um, personally, uh, he kind of shaped or his work shaped everything what I think about religion. So I would say that Mitchell Yad and Rudolf Otto who was uh, you know, another ob- obscure religious thinker. Uh, These two people that uh, Everything what I what I think what I do about the, related to religion is somehow connected to this. And also he was friend of of Ingers, so uh, there was there was a connection connection. Mm-hmm. The second person, it it could be surprise because uh, she was not um, philosopher or thinker as such. I would like to have Octavia Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, who was a black feminist, American science fiction author. Um, And uh, what what she was doing in her work is, uh, to me, is absolutely mind-blowing because everything what, again, I'm I'm interested in, the question about how how to survive. What is community? What is the relationship between the, the, the religion and the community and individual? It's everything. Everything is in in her writing. Uh, even questions of kind of uh, post-humanist or trans-humanistic uh, ideas. They're all there. So I really would like her to uh, to be there. And the third is probably the most obscure um, because it's a Polish uh, thinker. Uh, his name was Marian Zdziechowski. He died in uh, nineteen thirty-eight. He was aristocrat and uh, conservative thinker, um, but at the, at the same moment um, he was trying to. And I'm I'm kind of cheating here because when I was thinking about the third person, I was kind of between uh, Mikhail Birdiaev and uh, Lev Shostov, so Russian Russian thinkers. Mm-hmm. But Zhegowski was trying to translate Belyayev, Shostov, Soboljew, and and other. Uh, kind of 19th century religious um, thinkers from from Russia from kind of orthodox uh, christianity into catholic Pol- Poland and in, in fact into catholicism and what is what is connected connection between butler and jehofski is that both of them are kind of expecting the end of the world that is coming soon um, you know for jehofski he was absolutely right uh, you know the second world war was end of his world but in the same moment, they, they, they are both, and Zichowski was very much interested in a um, very ethical approach to, to Christianity. He, he published absolutely amazing book on cruelty, the title is On Cruelty, and uh, it's, it's really brutal criticism of, uh, of Christian church, especially of Catholic church. So this is three people that I would like to to sit and talk together, and I think that this uh, very different perspective, but uh, common interests, could make interesting. So is,
0: is the is the question there, with respect to what happens to community after religion in the face of some sort of future event? Yes. Okay. Okay. And is that is that what? In terms of architecture, is that what you're trying to head towards? Is how do we understand uh, the spaces that we inhabit when we also understand that we're heading into an uncertainty?
1: You're absolutely right. This is this is fundamental question that I'm trying trying to answer. Um, I use uh, recently. I published article on Rudolf Otto. Uh, Rudolf Otto, the most important book is uh, on. Uh, what What doesn't mean the sacred um, and uh, he kind of defined not religion but a religious impulse as a moment when human being uh, is challenged by the the unknown fundamentally other and um, i I was using this kind of framework to talk about this gap between what we know and we, what we don't know. So the, the science is trying to, to, to cross the gap, but religion is kind of making acknowledgement that this gap will never disappear. And of course, you know, we're progressing in, uh, in knowing the world, but this ontological gap between what we know and what we don't know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's always there. And it's, it's kind of existential a uh, challenge to to us as human human beings so yes i'm i'm in in, in my work also as architect uh, i'm working on with this
0: so it's sort of like um kierkegaard's leap of faith but in architectural form
1: um
0: so why because, what does an architectural leap of faith look like
1: well, you know it's rather that the, the world that is. Uh, fundamental to everything what I'm doing uh, is context.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, for, for architects, especially, you know, kind of contemporary architects working in a, in a current system, um, we kind of tend to ignore the context. So when building is not even built, the moment when, you know, the, the documents are submitted, and you are you, you got paid, you kind of tend to for, for, forget that uh, you have done it and just you know move to another one. This is this is the, the, the kind of mainstream way how architecture industry works. Um, and of course there's are uh, many people that they are trying to um, to challenge this. And this is also what, what I'm trying to do. So I'm, I'm trying to think about uh, process about uh, architecture as a coming from somewhere in the sense that materials are coming from somewhere, that people are going to construct the building, are coming from somewhere. The, the whole process of construction, the building, is uh, is creating not only building itself, but it's also creating this community of people engaging that. And then the building and the space stays for, for some It make a difference. And uh, architects are always kind of, uh, even if they don't, they they said they are not doing this they they are kind of optimistic and they are they believe in future yeah because mm-hmm. they believe that the building that I built will stay here for I don't know 10 20 50 or 100 years yeah so mm-hmm. we kind of try to imagine how this world in uh, 50 100 years will look like yeah? and of course we can't you know it's it's all speculation
0: so it's sort of um, moving away from atomization but Doing so without getting caught up in a sort of pseudo traditionalism.
1: Yeah, I'm. Um, I, I don't even think in these terms. To be absolutely honest, uh, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about uh, community, but again, in a pretty uh, critical way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the question, what community is, as a community, could be also oppressive. Um, community, but community at the same moment provides a support. But when you work in, in architecture, when you think about uh, creating a building, in contrary to what uh, how architects are very often uh, presented at this kind of, you know, individual geniuses, uh, you know, again, uh, that, that, uh, uh, the, the point of reference of Einreit with, you know, Atlas Flaggers, you know, <laughs> Uh, This is the the vision of architect, but architecture never, never works like that. You always work uh, with other people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with your clients, with, uh, you know, builders. You know, those are always pretty big uh, network of people that you need to to interact. And uh, kind of understanding how this network works, how this community works. This is what uh, what really fascinates me okay, okay,
0: I'm sure some of these ideas will come come back in, but um moving on to your book so why why did you write this book because it's um it's sort of uh i don't mean to be crass but uh, an academic risk to write a book using younger
1: yes, but um as i as I said before i'm kind of i like to be the only architect in the room and uh, i'm i'm kind of I'm happy to be seen as a kind of academic weirdo, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. you know, I'm, I'm, for example, I'm, I'm the, as as far as I know, I'm the only one architect uh, member of British British Association for Studies of for Religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's no nobody else like that. So, and also being, you know, being uh, Polish, uh, yeah. So immigrant. So it it kind of gives me some kind of freedom of being a little bit weird.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, why why Junger as I said I, I, I know Junger or his work for some time but the, the biggest the most important reason is that the majority of urban studies or, or discussion about, uh, about the city has a kind of Marxist foundation so most of kind of mainstream urban studies are somehow related to uh, to to Marx and post-Marx thinkers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I absolutely respected those you know, fantastic uh, body of work done. But at the same moment, I always, and there's a kind of growing feeling that we are missing something. And uh, a few years ago, I published a book. It was an edited book uh, on radical inclusivity in architecture and urbanism. And the radical inclusivity to me now it's it's used in in a different contexts, but uh, to me it was strong religious context again. The mm-hmm. kind of roots were religious, uh, coming from origin, from uh, from this. Uh, I think he he lived in in third century, um, and he had an idea called apocatastasis. So he was struggling with the idea that the hell exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. The, the God was one, and then he created the world, and then after, you know, the end of the world, chunk of what he created will be excluded, yeah, as as hell. And he was really struggling with this, because uh, it kind of questioned uh, God's omnipotence, yeah, so the God is not perfect, because, you know, he creates something that, you know, just didn't work. Um and so, so apocatastasis is the idea that on the end of the day everything will come back uh to 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 God. so you know those those uh, uh there are serious consequences of this but for me this this idea of uh, of being inclusive of not rejecting anything and anybody uh, which you know if you look on this closely it's pretty pretty conservative idea um I I'm I'm kind of growingly fascinated by this. And Ingell is the person who, in my mind, allows me to think in this uh, kind of beyond dialectical mode of thinking. So when when Hingell is talking about triangulation or you know this uh, stere- stereoscopic view, it allows to go beyond uh Dialectic thinking, especially Marxist dialectic thinking, but it also goes against uh, Karl Schmidt, for example, the idea of you know the friend the foe. So everything, what uh, I'm, I'm, I really have kind of ethical problems with with that. So Jünger was was my guide, was uh, was someone that I I hope that uh, will be able to help me to stop. Thinking about the world that's better than uh, the world we live in.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, one thing I want to ask is in what way do you see sort of um, radical inclusivity as a conservative outlook? Because I think a lot of people now would sort of vehemently disagree with you on that.
1: Um, I wouldn't, you know, I would prefer not to go into this 2D, but if you think, for example, on the question of abortion, Mm-hmm. Um, so radical inclusivity puts uh, abortion as a, as a you, know, you know, well, very difficult question. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so so this is this is the, the, the one of, of elements of radical inclusivity being uh, being conservative, but conservative in that um, almost kind of literal sense of the word, to conserve to to allow everything to try Mm -hmm. not to destroy anything so from from that point of view i i think that it's uh it is uh potentially pretty conservative uh perspective
0: Ah, i see okay yeah that makes sense um
1: just just to to comment on this uh, you know when i was a young person i was uh, right-wing i was conservative now I'm, i am I'm don't think that i am but uh, i think that it's rather the in my from my perspective the whole world just moved in a very strange uh, direction so you know suddenly i i stay i can you know feel kind of related i don't know to to maoist more than to 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 any kind of conservative thinker it but it's it's strange feeling and i don't feel guilty it's i don't think it's it's kind of i moved i've I really feel feel that the the world moves.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I think it's uh Robert Anton Wilson says that a conservative stood still becomes left wing in twenty years. But I always <laughs> like the idea that you know the people seem to forget that the whole spectrum moves in different ways around them and through them. And so if you stand still, everything else is still going to change in re- in relation to your viewpoint. So yeah, I think that's um. Uh, there's an impossibility of not changing politically <laughs> I think to not change politically you have to constantly keep up with something so you mentioned the the stereoscopic view of Jung's. Um so how does that sort of affect the way that you perceive community and uh, our understanding of the city
1: again I, I'm not philosopher so I could be of course wrong in my interpretation but uh to me, uh, the stereoscopic uh, view that Jungers is, uh, is dealing with, I think that the first time when uh, he, he make it relatively clear was in the Sicilian letter to the man on the moon. And uh, in this text, he, he was talking about the moon as a um, kind of mythical figure that you know it exists mythologies in magic and you know in poetry, and at the same moment he he of course knows that um, it's you know it's celestial it's it's a you know physical body you can measure it you know it exists you know in a kind of very empirical um perspective, but what he's saying he's saying that there's no reason to choose one or another uh, and in contrary it's uh, only by seeing this kind of not in not reductive way that you you see this as a myth and as a a physical body only then you can start to see something more so this is the kind of triangulation there's the moment when you kind of open any dialectical or any dualistic uh, view into third uh, perspective, and then in another one, another, another. So th- this is extremely important to me because, as I said, the the, the words that I think, if I could choose one word to describe everything what I do, is context. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. this is this is the moment when you think about community again as a as a part of uh, of the context, and you stop thinking about yourself also individual and you start to think about what is connecting you with the world outside you and then you start to question you as a kind of autonomous subject and you start to see you as a subject as a kind of blurred porous uh, weird structure that's a kind of going beyond you but also this external you know, beings are penetrating. So, there's another thinking, thinker that I am referring to to in my book. It's uh, it's a Chinese uh, Chinese thinker, Zhao mm-hmm. Tingyang, uh, who is talking about um, all under heaven, Tianxia system. But his criticism of uh, European thinking is exactly along along these lines. So. He was referring definitely to to Karl Schmid, and he said that you know for Schmidt and but he said for for all European thinking, your political thinking, the politics and what is political starts with with individual, with one. And he said that you know Chinese thinking is not rejecting the the rights and freedom of individual, but uh, what is political starts with relationship with someone or something. out. Oh, so? You need to have at least two uh beings to even start to talk about about uh political so so this this is connection also between ingel and uh, you know kind of other things and this is what how i see this kind of stereoscopic view
0: so do you think that the the marxist view of um well the marxist view in in its sort of abstraction when it's with its focus on value production, labor, do you think that that sort of overlooks the, um, the idea of community that you have and the idea of the individual that you have that you you end up getting caught up in abstractions, which aren't exactly helpful to creating a communal or inclusive
1: space. Yes, you know th- th- those are several items of uh, kind of. Uh, changing or mutating or morphing Marxists. you know you, you have salt with with existentialism and you know the other things is, you know the, the lefebvre was you know one of again the, probably the most important thinkers or uh, authoritarian co- talking about urban space so of course there was uh, attempts to to go beyond the abstraction and go into you know uh, daily routine and you know kind of uh, life, but I, I still think that um, something is missing in, in this analysis. And probably, I would say that they're all kind of one dimensional. So th- the way how I'm, I'm looking on, on, on the world is that um, there was a, there was a layers, there's a scale. And you know, it's kind of me being architect is, is coming coming back here. Yeah. So i'm looking on the city and i know that city will be drawn in scale one to ten thousand and then it will represent something particular processes and structures but then when i go to scale one to one i will talk about something different but then when i go into the structure of materials that I'm, i'm i'm using then i'm i'm going kind of beyond human beings yeah so we as architects again tend to see the world only from our scale yeah? mm-hmm. and it's it's fine it's good yeah? it's, it's important that we we design for people but at the same moment um, we we must be aware that uh, there are much bigger scales and there's a much smaller scale that influence what uh, what is happening with us and uh, what's what's going on and I think that this is also what, what's kind of missing in in most of these analyses that they are, tend to be um this kind of 1 to 10,000 scales uh scale um perspective that is kind of looking on um on the world on the city from this kind of bird view point point of view. Mm-hmm.
0: This reminds me of something that um has come up on the podcast quite a lot. I mean I've been doing this Michel ser series um and he has a theory of communication so if you take it understood it as love um people often say well love's just atoms right but that's one level of communication the way we actually experience love is another and you could say that in a community that's a whole another level of communication and he he makes it clear that if you begin to view everything from one level of communication then you end up sort of uh, putting yourself in a straitjacket and it seems that is that how you see what marxists are doing is you you're viewing the city from this certain level of sort of abstract value communication, whereas, and and subsuming everything into that level of communication and understanding everything from it. And in doing that, you just block out everything else which is going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I said, uh, the, the, my my kind of, I, I try to think and, and I see the world in a pretty ethical way. So, um, the Marxist, he- has this element uh, of of tension, of conflict, of war, of exclusion. And again, I I respect it. You know, when I when I look on you know the employer employee, of course there's a tension. But it's not only tension. There's also something else. There's a common goal, there's you no know, friendship could be those so this Kind of economical um, perspective that is a trying to to define uh, everything what what we do is definitely not uh, not enough to understand the world uh, around us. Mm. So I I absolutely agree with with what uh, what is, is talking about. Even if you know, I, I don't know much about
0: that's <laughs> no, Okay. You also you also state, um, that the book should be read as a stroll in the forest. Now, is this in relation to Junger's notion of the forest or is it is it just um, sort of just the way it should be read?
1: Um, both. Uh, so, it, in the relationship, uh, there, was, there was a figure of a uh, forest rebel.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That, uh, I think it's interesting how Junger is kind of, uh, not progressive, I, I think it's not progress, but it's a kind of he's taking different perspective and it's a partly it's his personal approach i don't i don't see it as a, as a program it's rather how he see different strategies to to deal with the world yeah so there was uh, the worker there was uh, on the other spectrum part of the spectrum is the anarch
2: mm-hmm.
1: and but there was also the rebel rebel uh, forest rebel who is um, a, it's a kind of similar way that this non dialectic thinking because forest rebel is someone who is beyond the world and the, the structure and is in the same moment inside the world yeah so it's someone who exists in the system and beyond the system and the forest as i understand from 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 Inger, uh, writing is this uh, kind of subconscious of civilization so it's it's a space not only for freedom, not only to escape, but it's uh, it's kind of a reservoir of um, of myths, of religion, of anything what is uh, it's it's hidden. It's what what it kind of mainstream discourse doesn't doesn't exist. or it's uh, it's kind of excluded, but it's there, and uh, it will never never disappear. So this is this is how I see it.
0: So in that sense, do you do you think the the forest rebel can actually exist within the city?
1: Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. I, I think um, that uh, it, he or she can, can exist in, in any situation. And city, um, like like everything, city is not uh, only one dimension it's not only you know capitalist uh, machine to exploit its residents it's not only to generate uh, profit you yeah, there' a uh, different layers and different modes of existence of, uh, of city so so yeah absolutely I I, I can as- as- aspire I would like to to be forest rebel I can't <laughs> afford to be uh, to be anar but uh, I I think that you know it's uh, it's it's a model that I I would like to uh, to be able to to to, to follow.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's um a price to pay for being <laughs> subsumed entirely into the city and getting lost in the city?
1: Well. It, it depends who you are of course hmm. uh, so uh, you know when when you take uh, kind of extended Marxist perspective you know, you know if you are rich then uh, you exist in different uh, way and if you are poor you exist in a different way you always pay a price I, I don't really like the narrative of paying the price but I understand what what you are mm-hmm. what you are saying and uh, you know, when when you make one choice, it means that you're rejecting uh, other choices. You know? So, in that sense, yes, you, there's always a price that you, you need to pay.
0: Okay, okay. So, what is um what is total mobilization? And <laughs> then, what, and then, what is total urban mobilization?
1: I, I think that you know, the first time when because, as I as far as I'm aware, uh, Inga is using this term in three texts. So, first of all, in a in, in essay, t- t- total mobilization, which was published in nineteen thirty, and uh, I, I also read it in a kind of uh, chronological way. So this is the first time when I when I came across the uh, the term, and you know, I was also much younger, and maybe because of that, I s- I have seen this as um, as a program, how to Utilize the the life, the the vital force that exists in, in every every human being for a greater good. Yeah. So how to somehow use, um, but use in a positive way. It's it's not uh, kind of exploitation, but kind of put in work every human being to achieve something bigger, something you know more grander. Mm-hmm. Um. Then, when I read The uh, Arbeiter, The Worker, when Jingle, he, he sees himself as a seismoglass. So it's it's less a program. It's more as a kind of des- description of wo- what the world is and what, what the world is becoming. And then the total urban, oh, sorry, t- uh, total <laughs> mobilization was uh, was a, just a description of the world that uh, there was um, no ex. Escape from. Yeah. So, whatever you do, you know, he's writing. For example, and it doesn't matter if you for for whom you vote. You know, the the very act for voting is just you know putting you as a part of the system. You know? mm-hmm. you, by by every act, you just make the system stronger, uh, which is you know pretty terrifying uh, perspective. But then. Um, after the Second World War, uh he published an essay on peace. And he started to write this essay uh in 40s. It was published in, in 1945, so exactly when, when the world war was was over. And again, in this essay, he's talking about total mobilization for peace. So this is definitely a program. Yeah, so he's again uh creating the vision of the world. Where nobody is excluded, and where this um, our lives are put together to achieve something something better. So, so this is kind of in between, kind of description and uh, a little bit kind of totalitarian vision, and on the other hand, uh, it's a very positive, inclusive way way of thinking. So, of course, I'm I'm kind of picking up uh, these elements that uh, I ethically agree. So the the vision of uh, no waste, that nobody is excluded. And um, it's also the way of kind of um, avoiding alienation, but not, not, again, not in Marxist sense, but uh, in the sense of giving meaning to everything what what we do. So he's he's talking about, you know, the the kind of the, the... the most, um, kind of not interesting, uh, trivial jobs that people can, can do. But if they know that it makes sense what they are doing, uh, then they are okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, on, on the kind of, on the other hand, this is what, uh, late David Graber was, was talking about this bullshit, bullshit jobs. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's exactly what, what Jingle is, uh, is arguing against. So he's not talking really about you know kind of communist revolution. He's just talking about you know giving meaning and this feeling of belonging to to something important as a as a, as a total total mobilization. And in that sense, you know, total urban mobilization is uh, is a kind of attempt to start to think about the city that is not excluding anybody. That's again. Kind of allowing each of us to feel at home in the city. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Do you agree with that notion of the city and of capitalism in in that it that it subsumes everything back into it, and you just you're instantly just this sort of um, lost cog in its sort of parasitic mechanism.
1: Yeah, it, you know, again, there's the, a the discussion about the 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 capitalism. Yeah, that's you know. I'm I'm not philosopher. I'm not not going into this, and you know, if I'm talking something really stupid, just forgive me. <laughs> but um, you 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 have uh, here in the in the the, the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot the name. Uh, there was a Danish scholar who said that uh, he rather see current system as a kind of uh, neo feudalism than the, the 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 capitalist system
0: oh all uh, biao.
1: exactly yeah. yes and uh, i i agree with 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 this description so even if i'm using the the term post capitalism i'm kind of uh less and less bothered about capitalist itself i think that uh, um it's very kind of uh 1990s uh, vision that well capitalist is you know kind of uh prevailing and you know it's it's unstoppable and uh you know this is what kind of zizek was saying that's easier to imagine the end of war that's the end of capitalism i think that the capitalist is already history yeah. Capitalism is already um dead to some extent mm-hmm. it's um it's a power what what is really important yeah so so capitalism was just one of system to redistribute the, the power and agency, and um, it's um, it still exists of course it's still powerful, um, but uh, it's not the essence what what's going on, um, and you know the fact of this growing uh, not even one person but it's kind of zero point zero zero one person kind of super rich people that they they own more that you know half of of human population is kind of proof of that that this this promise of uh, of capitalism as uh, as a force of progress uh innovation um and this kind of natural uh way of being you know it's uh, it's a lie it's, it's it doesn't exist so from this perspective if you look on city uh city has many different layers and uh Part of, uh, of that and the kind of externality of, uh, of the city is is capitalist system, of course. So, the um, city is not uh, anymore like it was in the uh, in, in 19th century, where the capitalist was in the city, the banks, the, the finance, the labor. But um, now, city is rather the, the place to be exploited. Yeah, The capitalist is more global, the capitalist is more global, you know, it's you know you need I don't know three 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 months to to move factories from one place to another so from from that perspective um city always had elements of not being capitalist and these elements they are still there
0: mm-hmm. so you you think for the post post capitalist city we need to sort of dig out these these elements. And emphasise them, and almost, almost, um, I can't remember what you call it, but an, you know, an agent on the inside.
1: Well, I think that the, the biggest problem with, as uh, I said, I I believe that we live in a kind of post-capitalist moment, uh, mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, capitalism is not always uh, not 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 anymore the, the answer, but in the same moment we don't know what uh, what can come next. Mm-hmm. The problem. The problem that I see is that capitalism is still giving us the most efficient language to communicate between economic actors. Mm. So there's a lot of different not capitalist regimes that exist, you know, from very bad, like slavery, for, you know, um, economy of love, of, of gift. You know, that's everything like that all these regimes, they exist, but they are very small, they are local, and they don't have a language, they don't have a uh, efficient way to communicate between themselves. And this is what, um, you know, finance uh, is, is giving, this is what, what capital capital is, is providing, this kind of hegemonic language. Um, but I think that this is also uh, slowly disappearing in a, in a very, you know, Good or bad, bad way. There was uh, a few weeks ago. There was in mean, the Economist was uh, was an article. You know, Economist is definitely not radical uh, magazine. Um, and the article was about that the new ways of um, kind of non-financial ma- ways to deal with with business. And and uh, so when when you look how different economical actors are communicating uh, they not do this like you know like human beings like we that you know, you go and you know pay for something this mechanism when how this different services and, and uh, bits are evaluated are much more complex and complicated and i think that you know this is what where we are heading yeah so
0: okay okay <laughs> so I'm always skeptical of uh, after capitalism because it's it's tough it's tough to define. So when uh, you you might have already touched on it, but do you have a sort of a way to define post capitalism?
1: No, as I said, I think that you know post capitalism is, uh, is now. Uh, so this is easy to define. This is the moment when uh, you know uh, the the narrative that uh, you know there was no magic money tree. And then, you know, few late, few years later, when there's a pandemic, then suddenly, you know, ah, yeah, we can spend, you know, billions, um, no problem. Yeah. So, you know, it just, you know, exposed the line that, uh, it's power. What is really important? It's, uh, it's a, it's politics really, not really in the capi- capital as this, uh, kind of abstract force that's, uh, um, Making everything uh, and you know organizing everything, but I I can't imagine, of course, what will be next. Yeah. I I I don't know what is you know be, behind the horizon. I just know that uh, you know uh, the logic that we operate uh, it's not on not 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 any more satisfactory.
0: Um, jumping back to the the anarch, which has come up on um, this podcast a few times. What's your sort of personal opinion of the anarch in relation to what it what we've been talking about and this sense of community? Do you think do you see them as something that's needed or almost as a detriment to this idea of community?
1: You know, this is also the reason why I would like to have um, Butler and Junger sitting in the same room. Hmm. Because, uh, and maybe Eliade as someone in between who would be able to understand and kind of help Junger to understand Butler and help Butler to understand Junger. Because Junger is a white, rich guy from a central center of civilization, you know, of a hegemonic Western world. So for him to imagine being Anna, it's kind of easy. Mm-hmm. You know? But for Butler, uh, who was poor, black, um, you know coming from really kind of bottom of the, of the society, even if you know she tends to be pretty critical about the religion, she was atheist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: She was pretty critical about the community in the same moment, she understands. The power and positive aspect of religion and positive aspect of community. That her position is that, you know, as a black woman, a uh, poor black woman in the US, you just can't afford to be Anna. There's no way that you, you will be able to do this. Well, at some point, of course, when she was recognized as a successful writer, you know, uh, then, yeah, you, then you can start to think about that, you know, kind of having your own. Uh, life beyond the, the structure but you know not not before so it, it's really um i don't see honor as um it's sometimes i see it as a kind of arrogant um you know white man privilege uh, perspective
0: do you think that there's a, um should we say a, a diverse equivalent of the honor which which a mentality which which could uh cross borders
1: um maybe because you know if if you if you go beyond um the kind of anar has a, as a privileged position and uh, you you go into um i don't know italian operaists that uh, they were talking about uh, rejecting the, the the to work and rejecting of consume yeah so so this is this kind of hermit this is someone you know who Kind of try to withdraw from from the world, um, you know. That kind of toro you know, even if you know he's uh, uh, he was not, you know, fully, uh, full 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 uh, hermit. Yeah. So yeah. No. I, I I believe that you know you can you can try and it is possible. Um, but even in this kind of traditional way of of seeing hermit, there is someone who is wise. know yeah? So. He's making, or he or she is making sacrifices to be, uh, beyond the system, but, uh, his or or her role is extremely important for the society. This is still someone who is providing this external view, this, uh, this point of reference. Yeah. So if, if this is this, this perspective that uh, you are making sacrifices, uh, you, you kind of, uh, going going beyond but but you're still available uh, if, if anybody needs your help then yeah then there's fine there's kind of different different type of honor okay. that's not not I think what what Inger, uh had in mind okay
0: this sort of connects to the um, the surprising arrival of neo reactionary politics in your book <laughs> which now you say it, do you think that they are doing the same thing? that it's like an arrogant retreat?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I also think that um, they, they know, what, what, what I was referring to, that, uh, that Capitalist is dead. Uh, so what they are trying to do, they know that capitalism could exist only as exploitation, as a destructive force. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they need zombies. They need this biomass. They need us to, to kill, really yeah and then to to escape to create so i see them as people as really arrogant people that they just just want to be the, the last man standing yeah um so there's no hope in that it's just you know kind of escape as and, you know, survive as, as long as, as they can, but uh, it's not giving anything. And, you know, if, if you if you see this as a potential ways how cities are organized, this is kind of gated communities, there's a private cities, there's chartered cities. So there's all this idea that, oh, we can kind of escape from the world. We can create our own bubble that we survive the storm. But, well, you know, if the storm comes i don't think that there will be much to to to, to survive to
0: so for you the importance is that the, you have to begin from a position of altruism or at least some altruism
1: Again, yeah, i don't really think that um yeah you can you can call it altruism but i i see it as a kind of um, uh, interdependency, de- really that uh Whatever you're doing, and, you know, again, the, the, the pandemic was, was really good experience uh, from this kind of seeing world in a more ethical way that, you know, people like, yeah, like, like me, like, you know, universe, university lecturer, Um, you know, even if, you know, it was tiring, you know, teaching online. But, yeah, there was no problem for me to, I, I still have my job, I, you know, I was able to sit in my apartment and, you know, have my food delivered. But there was a people out there that they were, you know, picking the crops and put, putting boxes and you know, and delivering this food to me. Okay, so without them, I would die.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So this is how, how I see that, you know, I'm dependent on, on other people. And uh, so it's not really altruism, it's just understanding that uh, we, we don't exist. Uh, Alone, we don't exist as really individual.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so, if you're post capitalist city, there's this emphasis then on, um, should we say, uh, a personal and local understanding of the network that you're reliant on. Um, yeah, in what sense, you know, there's, there's a, I guess some people would see it as a danger of a return there, a return to like a, traditionalist way of living where you, you know, you're friends with the baker and the butcher and you all uh sort of trade off in that way. Do you think that that's even a possibility or do you think that because of um modern technology and the way that that's heading, that you really are going to end up with almost like a combination of those two? So almost like the absolute oxymoron or paradox of traditionalist tech, like traditional technology in some way or technological tradition. You know, something just doesn't
1: make sense. No, I, I agree. I, I think that um, it's not only because of of, uh, of technology. Technology is allowing us, helping us. You know, you know, to have this conversation and uh, you know the the project that I'm doing in in Brazil. I'm I'm doing this, even even if uh, I was not able to be there. Mm. I was I was invited to be visiting professor in Brazil, so I should be there. But you know, pandemics happened. But you know, technology allows us to uh again I'm dependent on my on my colleagues in Brazil so they are doing field work, not me. But you know, we are doing the project. So of course technology is part of that. But uh those there there's more I think that definitely the incoming or you know happening already, the, the climate uh, climate uh, disaster, climate change. It it also makes us aware that um you know we we are not able to kind of Retract to the small community and kind of ignore everything, everything else. Uh, so the the awareness of uh, of being dependent on uh, much broader ecosystems, uh, it's it's there and it it should stay. But in the same moment, uh, you you are right that, that this um, elements of rebuilding communities, rebuilding. Uh, local interdependencies. They are very, very important.
0: Okay. Is there anything you would like to add about the book that you feel like we've missed or something you'd like to uh, add in?
1: I don't know. I think that the book is uh, is pretty dense. Uh, I, I got uh, one very angry email from, from a reader uh, that uh, he said that, you know, oh, I bought this book because I believe that you give me um, yeah, uh, guidelines how to, you know, Go to this new better world, and you know there's just you know the kind of a lot of name droppings and theories, and you know it's completely useless to me. So he was really really angry, uh, and also you know academics books are pretty expensive, so you know, and he he bought it instead of you know find it you know for free somewhere. So yeah, I think that you know if uh, if people are expecting uh, to to have you know clear manual how to achieve the the, the better better words uh they will be disappointed so I, will, I would strongly recommend not to buy it not to read it <laughs> um but in the same moment i hope that um, there are elements uh allowing readers to think about the city in a different way um a little bit beyond this uh Kind of political divisions, on you know, left and right. Um, you know, in a kind of joking, I would say that the, the the main argument of the book is that if you are really conservative, you should be communist, you know, something like that. Um, but now, to, to be more serious, uh, I, I hope that there are uh, elements of thinking that uh, will be useful uh, to to readers. Mm-hmm.
0: Are you working on either, uh working on any books at the moment, or working on anything currently?
1: Other than I, the Brazil project, yeah, the the, the Brazil project is uh, is you know kind of bread and butter. Uh, it's it's very interesting. I I really like doing this. But um, I would like to. This is the project that I I started, um, and it's you know it's probably the most important to me. It's uh, is attempt to. To connect architecture in a spatial thinking uh, with religious studies and with religion uh, much closer. So I was I was touching upon this. So I I published a chapter. I published an article, but um, I would like to do this in a in a much more serious serious way. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's a kind of uh, project that I hope that I will do uh, till I I die. So it's it's a kind of long long term project.
0: Very good. Um, That seems like a good place to to finish up. Uh, Christoph, thanks very much.
1: Thank you very much.